the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And great to be with you as always. So let me see here, make sure we got all the buttons pushed on this thing. Here we go. Yep, uh, we're all set. All right, welcome. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I uh, hope you had a, a good weekend. I hope people uh, got in some R&R and all that jazz. Uh, I have to say I enjoyed one of the segments last week. I sent it on to a, a friend of mine who's an economist, and uh, economists think they know everything. So he told me, well, I like your idea of the Eagle Index and these categories. He said, I'm not sure it's coherent to put them all together. But he uh, he didn't disagree with my point on consumer confidence as well as uh, small business confidence. And so check that out. If you go back, if you go to uh, ProAmericaReport.com, you'll kick through to the the website. You can find all these segments there. And of course, anywhere where you get a podcast, you can get the segments too. And so check that out um, from last week. All right. Welcome. Uh, by the way, reminders, excuse me again, <clears throat> pardon me, reminder um, to sign up for the daily email, the daily wink, which goes out at 8 a.m. East Coast, 5 a.m. Pacific time into your inbox Monday through Friday. A couple of key links, always a key thought, often this segment as an audio file or a link. Um, so you're going to want to check that out because it's what you need to know with a wink, how you start your day. Uh, people will tell you it is an easy way to get a start on the day and see what's going on. All right. So let's start the program. And a few moments, I think we'll talk with Benzman today. Todd Benzman will be a guest. We also may catch up with Chris Fenton. Chris Fenton is a um, really well-known China expert. Uh, we had him on the show when he was just getting his feet wet uh, into this business. Chris Fenton was was a senior executive with um, in the movie industry, as well as um, um, he had a perspective on the NBA <clears throat> and all of the efforts to go into China, the big market there. And his Twitter feed is at the Dragon Feeder uh, because his book is called Feeding the Dragon. We featured that on the program a couple of years ago. So we'll talk with him in a few moments. First, what you need to know today, as we begin this hot summer week, a lot of the country is uh, sweltering, especially the swamp. Uh, you noticed late last week, uh, Donald Trump had to go to the swamp and uh, and get himself arraigned uh, in the courts there. And it was quite a scene and all. But here's what you need to know. This is an important one. Uh, it's a it's a simple uh, distinction, a simple um, description. But I want you to watch this because it's also a pattern. OK, <clears throat> so in the last few days, Donald Trump has taken to his truth social account uh, and also given a speech. I forget where he was this weekend, but he has taken to going hard at the people who are politically persecuting him. Well, I mean, prosecuting him. And so he said one truth. Uh, he said something like, if you come after me, I'll come after you. Then he went into a specific uh, um kind of truth diatribe aimed at the judge in this case, who's been assigned, who's very liberal and Jack Smith. He calls him deranged Jack Smith. Now, putting aside the tweets, uh, I guess call them tweets, the truths in this case, uh, and the specifics of them, what, what they, what the media and the, the left and the establishment, the regime, even in both parties has seized on is, Oh my goodness. Donald Trump is breaking all the norms 
the norms, I say, the norms of of people who are in trouble with the law. You can't say anything about the prosecutor. You can't publicly say anything about the judge. This is wrong. And, you know, look, as an attorney, I would say, you know, if I was representing Donald Trump, not not Donald Trump, let's say I was representing someone who had a case in a court, I would say, be very careful about saying anything about the judge because the judge is not going to like that and you're going to be in trouble. It's just not done. And those are the norms, except we're in the norm breaking category here. And and what I mean by that is they already broke the norms. They've already put this president, this poor former president in an untenable position in terms of his politics, in terms of his business, in terms of his life, uh, his life, in terms of his family. They broke the norms. There's no norms that are left when you're doing this to somebody. And I, so I agree, abide by the norms when the other people are too. In other words, don't be a rule breaker. Use the system should work. The American system does work really well, but this is not something he did. They shattered the norms and he's just saying, I'm not going to take it lying down. He's saying, you guys did this a year and two months from an election. You guys did this six months from a primary. When you knew I was running, and more importantly, this is not a real set of charges, he says. And so he's breaking the norms. But here's of all the things that I think are obvious about that. The way the case was charged, what the details are, how it's clearly like a mind reading case, all of that. But here's what I really want to show you, what you really need to know. For a year and a half, the United States House of Representatives and and, and the media conspired through the select committee on January 6th to poison the jury pool for anyone who is a, a, a MAGA looking person in the, in the, in the courts in DC. And that's not an exaggeration. The select committee on January 6th, headed by Congressman Thompson and Congresswoman Liz Cheney, after it was done with its so-called investigation, it issued a 700-page report. It didn't mention the pipe bomber until page 706. A pipe bomber who put two bombs, one next to the Democrat building and one next to the Republican building, wasn't mentioned until page 705 or 6. But more importantly, the report that was rushed out in December of 2022, just as that Congress was ending, there were hundreds of interviews, hundreds of interviews, and the interviews included Videos, the video transcripts, the video uh, a record, they were all deleted. They were all deleted. Documents disappeared. It, it, records weren't kept. And more importantly, the select committee did seven or eight or nine made-for-TV events that were distortions or lies. They were inaccurate or lies. You could pick your, you could choose, pick or choose what you think. If you ask Congressman Loudermilk, who they attacked, and they said. That, you know, that he was doing reconnaissance tours when the guy does a Christian based history tour. But I, I went on it with him about six weeks ago. It's very wonderful. It's like it's like a history lesson plus a Bible lesson. I mean, it's just great. And all they all knew that. So they lied about it. They lied about it. I mean, I think they lied. But I don't know. I can't read their mind. I can't say for sure. They may have all just been persuaded by the hysteria. But for 18 months, they were brainwash and the media played along they hired an abc producer to produce these made for tv hearings and then they cut and pasted the video and then they disappeared the video the video has been deleted 
When the new when, if you go right now and say, hey, that was the most important historical moment in history, according to all these people. Can I see all that you found? They got rid of it. They only gave you what they wanted because it wasn't about the truth. It was about the spin. It was about the lie. It was about the manipulation of the government and its assets for political gain. It is what we've been talking about, that an example of the narrative machine, big government working with big media and big tech to hammer a narrative out to make that the truth, the truth they want. And so you have Donald Trump being indicted for stuff that it can't be possible for him to have done. They're talking about what he said, what people argued, and then what was not done. They're going to have a conspiracy of of something that never happened. And the conspiracy is going to be talking about it. And so Trump is saying, hey, look, if you're going to break the norms, I'm not going to sit here and take the break. I'm not going to take the breaking of the norms and not join you in the fight. But watch the sanctimony of the clean fingernail set, the regime, the establishment. And instead of arguing about the merits of this persecution, they are instead arguing about, oh, how can we have the norms shattered? How can the norms be shattered? How This is unbelievable. Did you know that when Donald Trump was arraigned in this case, not only was Jack Smith sitting there, which he should be the prosecutor, but up in the, uh, 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 in the back of the courtroom, and when you get arraigned, you get arraigned with a magistrate judge, not the main judge. It's a magistrate judge is like a, a, a judge who does a lot of the bureaucratic stuff. So it's not even the big star judge. But in the back of that chamber, because they wanted to get popcorn and watch history, were other judges of that court, of the of the, the D.C. court. Watch it. Come in. Oh, wow. We can watch this. This is pure political theater. Just like the select committee on January 6th, just like the stuff that you're told is the truth. Only thing now is we have a, a, a guy running for president who's not going to take it. He's not going to sit back and let them say, oh, you can't break the norms. Don't you, you can't violate the norms when they, they don't even have norms. Here's another example. They haven't named the six co-conspirators, right? But the rumor is one of them is Jeff Clark, a big lawyer, well-known lawyer at DOJ. Jeff Clark is in the middle of a D.C. bar complaint fight. Now, you're not supposed to be able to file a bar complaint against somebody in D.C. if you don't have personal knowledge, interaction on the matter. You can't just file one because you see it on TV. And so he's still facing a bar complaint because what? A senator, Dick Durbin, filed the complaint, complained about him. That's never been done. Breaking the norms, breaking the norms, but don't complain about the norm breaking. Uh, that's what you need to know. We got to take a break. We'll come back and we got Benzman and Fenton. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Uh, I was telling the story, uh, Chris. Chris Fenton is our next guest. That it was years ago that I first came upon your book, and uh, and I got the book before we had you on the show. Then we had you on the show a couple times. The book uh, I think is really, really important and a great one because it's called "Feeding the Dragon: uh, Inside the Trillion Dollar Dilemma Facing Hollywood, the NBA, and American Business." As Chris Fenton is our guest, he's the author um, and he's an expert on China, but in a really helpful way. Having been through, I can still remember. Remember the interview been through you were talking and in the book you talk about these Hollywood grand partnership with China until they figured out how to do it themselves and then they cut bait and they left everybody uh you know high and dry or at least took everything they could and, and maybe they weren't high and dry but it was uh definitely a, a, a clear-eyed assessment so welcome back Chris how are you 
Hey, thanks so much for having me on. And I appreciate always uh, you talking about the book because it's actually having a nice resurgence. I mean, it came out the, in late 2020. But yeah. what's nice about it is at the time when it came out, it was really a sort of a right side of the aisle issue. This this talk about what China has been doing as far as taking advantage of the United States and and sort of forcing us to compromise the values and interests and principles that make us um, a great nation um, in, in return, trying to get access to that huge, huge market for our products and resources. So um, now what's great is as of really the beginning of this year and the construction of uh, the new select committee on China and Congress, we've seen a real strong push on a bipartisan level to mm-hmm. address this issue. And that's something that's super, super important. So it's nice because my book is starting to come back into the the zeitgeist and people are talking about it because it really is a firsthand look of how this went down. And, and it doesn't portray anybody as really villainous as far as reckless capitalists. It's more of sort of how the wool was pulled over our eyes. And we really didn't see it in real time until we look back at it now. It's um and, and well and the thing I think is so helpful and again we're we're plugging your book right now I want to get to my question uh but, but is Chris Fenton Chris Fenton is our guest at the Dragon Feeder on Twitter and it's called Feeding the Dragon is the story of a guy at the very highest level of business you uh, Chris Fenton doing deals making things work and China w- working well uh, when it was to everyone's advantage it was fine and then you realizing that the the they really are 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 taking from us. Uh, uh, all knowledge, expertise, and then they're going their own way. It was fairly dramatically. So, you know, Chris, I, I think you saw the email exchange. One of my staff flagged uh, an article and and sent, flagged your tweet and sent it to me and said, we ought to get him on the show because uh, let's ask what the real story is, right? And so there's a Reuters story about uh, China and the Huan losing its uh, its its core support. And uh, you tweeted this and said, leverage, this is your quote, not the article, leverage is shifting, allowing for a proper bilateral rebalancing. What does that sentence mean, Chris? Tell us, unpack that for us. Well, look, the bilateral relationship is an extremely imbalanced um, and very pro the China side for the past 40 years. I mean, things as simple as the WTO designating them as a developed nation, which gives them all kinds of favored trade status to the various other things that we put up with, like not having their their companies abide by SEC for, or uh, accounting practices to various things like in the movie business, for instance, where they get away with only paying us half of the box office revenue that the rest of the markets around the world do. <laughs> right. um, there's just a lot of imbalances and they've been using market leverage and that ability to dangle the carrot of, of that huge market to our companies um, and to our government and essentially said, if you want access, you need to abide by our rules um, and our system. So we've been doing that last 40 years and they've had the leverage to really pull that on us. If we wanted any of that access. Now we're seeing a lot of some of the the tricks of the trade that they pulled on us, which was, yeah, you want to sell us fish, you need to teach us how to fish. And and seeing in various industries, including the movie industry, where now they're making their own domestic products and services based on that um, principle uh, to the point where those products and services are competing and beating our foreign imports, the imports that we bring into that country. Um, so now the the profit center, the revenue potential for our companies is diminishing. So as it diminishes, 
um, they lose more leverage on us, right? I mean, they can still dangle right. the carrot of, no, 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 if you play by our rules, we'll help you um, perform better in our market. But that type of sentiment is now starting to look like a farce and a bit of a mirage. So that's number one. Number two is when you look at the depreciating yuan, a lot of that has to do with direct foreign investment into that country. Um, there's a lot of push uh, to sway investors away from that market from political pressure, journalistic pressure, pressure from various investors, um, you know, the ESG component, et cetera. But then on top of it, you can't even properly diligence investments over there without worrying whether you're diligencing firms or your investment banks might fall on the wrong side of these new laws. That have come into play where those consulting firms, those diligencing firms could get raided and their people could be thrown in jail. So now you're mm. essentially asking um, us to invest blindly into China. And people are saying, you know what, that doesn't make sense to us. So that's what you're seeing here, and in, in, in as uh, which is resulting in the depreciation of the yuan. Uh, Chris Fenton is our guest. And again, he's the author of uh, Feeding the Dragon, uh, Inside the Trillion Dollar Dilemma of Ho- uh, Facing Hollywood, the NBA and American Business. Um, uh, the other part of your tweet, everyone is looking to either sell their Chinese operation or if they're sourcing products in China, they're looking for an alternate alternative place to do that. I- is it that dramatic, Chris? I think that's a quote from the article, not your quote. Is it is that true or is it somewhere along like a lot of things along a, a sliding scale? Yeah, I think that quote's a little more alarmist than the reality. Um, I do think there's a, a cogniz, a, 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 essentially a conscious effort to try to de-risk from that market when it mm-hmm. comes to relying on revenues and profits from it so much as a consumer market, but then also relying on it so much as a supply chain uh, part of the equation of whatever your product and service is that you're making here in the U.S. or in the West. So people are really pushing um, from a management side, from an investor side, companies to try to de-risk and lower that risk threshold so that um, they're smarter as far as diversifying where their markets are for consumers and where their markets are for production. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a slow process and not everybody's going, oh my God, we got to get it all out of here right now. I think if they could, they would, but there's just way too much influence that market still has on us. Uh, Chris Fenton's our guest again. I uh, just got about a minute and a half left, uh, um, Chris. Um, but, but I want to ask you, I know you mentioned earlier when, and, and I have seen you all over the world, really speaking on this all over the TV and radio. You know, y- you're not in it for the, uh, party politics. You're in it to say, here's a problem. Let's fix it. And so, but I want to ask you about the Biden administration. Certainly Trump. The Trump administration shocked the system and said, we're going to deal with China differently than ever before. And a lot of Republicans had said that for years. They ran for office and we're going to take on China. And then uh, ultimately, nobody really took on China. Um, he did it in some ways, dramatically, other ways, not so much. Who knows? I mean, we still have fentanyl pouring in. We still have a lot of problems. How has the Biden administration done, though? I mean, I haven't heard the rhetoric for sure, um, but have they uh, slid back towards the old ways or are you feeling good about it? What's your sense? Well, look, I mean, it, it's no easy task, right? So what Trump did was he really pulled the fire alarm and and everybody woke up to there was an issue. Right. There was warring inside of that administration between Navarro and Lighthizer and Mnuchin, et cetera, on exactly how to address the challenge. And there were some very pro-hawkish stances and pro-dovish stances. And the same thing has happened in the Biden administration. The one thing that's good is that both administrations have gotten serious about it, trying to address the challenge. And quite frankly, if you fell asleep, 
sleep as Rumpelstiltskin in 2020 and woke up today and only had the ability to look at China policy to determine who won the election in 2020, you might actually believe Trump won the election because Biden really hasn't rolled back much of what Trump implemented. And Biden, whether you criticize him or not, really hasn't gotten any more dovish towards the China equation. In fact, he's probably gotten a little more hawkish. So it is um, a very complicated matter. It takes both sides of the aisles to address it. People have to think country first. They got to put patriotism before capitalism. But I do think there's a world where we can have our cake and eat it, too. Mm. All right. Well, listen, uh, thank you very much. Uh, the uh, Feeding the Dragon is the book. Uh, Chris Fenton is our guest at The Dragon Feeder on uh, social media. Yeah. And uh, Chris, we'll talk soon. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Take care. Oh, all right. Take care. Uh, Chris Fenton, everybody. Really valuable voice out there. Really valuable. His experience, his book, he's done it. He's got it all together. So uh, check him out. If you're not watching him on Twitter, we'll have him back on soon. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. A few months ago, I was looking up in the archives. Probably two months ago, we had our next guest on the program. Sean Carney is the president and CEO of 40 Days for Life, a wonderful group uh, that does a lot across the country. A lot of different pro-life groups do different things. Uh, 40 Days for Life. In fact, Sean, when you maybe weave into your answers, talk a little bit more about the work broadly, but I've been very impressive. And Sean Carney especially has been playing this uh, role, I'd say leadership role, in identifying what's going on and being willing to speak publicly about it. In this case, there is uh, he has uncovered um, an incident that occurred. And it's funny, Sean, I, before I realized you were on the show today, I was uh, having a conversation with a pro-life leader in Pasadena, California, and I was asking her about the hostility to her work and whether there was concerns. And in that town, it's been pretty good, actually. She hasn't had much uh, trouble. But uh, we see more and more this... Um, I hate to I hate to say it this way, but I feel it encouraged uh, aggression against pro-lifers, encouraged by the media, encouraged by the left. Uh, and it's disturbing. So, uh, first of all, Sean Carney, welcome back. Uh, President and CEO of 40 Days for Life. Thanks for coming on. Good to be back. Good to be back. And you're you're absolutely right. Um, we're seeing this encouraged hostility. We, of course, hold peaceful vigils outside of abortion facilities uh, around the world. We're in 1600 cities and 64 countries. And here in the U.S., which is obviously our, our base and where we have most of our locations, um, people have just lost their mind since uh, Roe was overturned. Uh, we get one to two inquiries per week from the FBI or from local law enforcement, just asking us what we're doing while we're pro-life. Will you meet us? Will you meet us without an attorney? So we've, we've recently actually expanded our, our legal arm and created the Institute of Law and Justice because we, we've had to defend free speech and we've had to defend just our rights to be out on the sidewalk from, from our own government. Well, that's it. Now that's even more interesting, especially in light of everything that's going on. But uh, 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 so we'll come. I'll circle back to that. I hope. Uh, but tell me about this specifics. I I always find it uh, when, especially talking to my listeners after a program, the specifics of what happened. You know, you and I will talk in generalities, and I know you're right. But over in uh, Wisconsin, very specific. Yeah. You know, the context of it. Walk us through what happened. Yeah, so there were, as we've seen, <laughs> uh, somebody somebody's trying to make drag queens great again. So we have one of these scenes where uh, a drag queen, these gay dudes dressed up as women, want to read to children, which is very scary, especially if you're the child. Um, and 
they're in public. And so this young man goes out and he's a Christian and he's got a small little handheld audio device. We use these all the time. They're not a big deal. And he's just reading scripture. He's not yelling at them saying, you're going to go to hell, saying, you know, repent now. He's just basically reading different aspects of the gospel. And very calmly, by the way, he's not even shouting. And these cops, this is Wisconsin. Like what happened to just rooting for the Packers and eating cheese? These cops come out of nowhere, take his microphone and arrest him. And And his his buddies are filming him and they're like, what are y'all doing? And one guy's like, you guys are nothing but thugs, which is an accurate statement. And these cops, they don't say anything to him. They just take them away and they arrest him. And it's, it's actually shocking. It sounds like something we'd say, like, we're being persecuted. And it's just propaganda. But you can watch this video. This is like an 18-year-old kid. I mean, he's a good guy. He's not. But he's in the public right away. And because of his content, it's content-based, they, they arrested him. Did it hold? I mean, did it hold? I, I, the video is, uh, as you point out, I mean, that, that great thing. Isn't that interesting? It's a great thing about the moment that we're in that you can record everything so we can see it. But it doesn't seem to stop a lot of people. On the other hand, it's, the, it, that's the point. It's so stupid. I mean, after George Floyd, why are cops going up to anybody? You know, right. I mean, I have my friends that are cops have resigned, but like they're going up. There's a million phones. And, and is there no lesson of optics of like, this is like a young Christian kid who's just on the street and whatever, and he's peaceful, and we're just going to walk up and arrest him with 20 iPhones around? I don't understand that from the cop's perspective at all. Well, so and and so I want to ask you about this in two ways. One, I, I, I thought there was more – I think there is more aggression – by the pro-abortion people against protesters also, right? I think we've seen no that doubt. there's a, and, and so, but now I, I, and, and in this case, we're talking about the institution and the, the law enforcement sort of stepping in. It was, a, and now I'm not trying to give them any leeway, but were they clear in the streets of everybody? In other words, did they just want nobody out there? It was still a violation of our rights, but is that, do you, do you have a sense? I mean, or, or I guess the other side isn't out there. I don't know. No, that's, that's the problem is that they, the the footage they show the cops walking through the whole crowd and they just stop him and arrest mm. him because he has uh the microphone um now there's a debate of what what did he have a sound permit and all that but that is decimal based you'll hear it in the we we get sound permits a lot and we don't get them a lot every every city has a different decimal and they claim they were under the decimal required but even if you have a Sound violation, which I've had back in the day because we didn't get a permit. They come up and they're like, hey, man, you got to turn it down or you you can't use the microphone. They don't arrest you. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, no, that is exactly right. It's uh, it's interesting. All right. Um, so Sean, what is the you, one of the things the pro life community has been talking about? I've heard it from different folks. Is oh look, Roe v. Wade is reversed in some states. They're limiting abortion, and in some states, more Planned Parenthood are closing. And in many states, Planned Parenthood is talking about doing abortion uh, through the mail, right? They mail the stuff to the home. And yeah. so there's there's people saying, oh, well, you know, the, the Planned Parenthood uh, buildings are no longer. Because one of the things 40 Days for Life is get on the sidewalk near a clinic and be in prayer and be, you know. So are you seeing uh, a, a change in expectation and focus? Where Where does 40 Days for Life see what they're doing and how it fits together? Yeah, the the mail order abortions, first off, are are highly um, 
overrated. Uh, Planned Parenthood is still strongly brick and mortar. They want you to do chemical abortion, but they want you to come in. Um, and when you come in, they can sell you on contraception. And certainly you trust them if you are too late and you want a surgical abortion. And so I I have actually we were really worried about mail order abortion. We had a plan to kind of counter it, but we haven't had to implement that. I, I'm surprised how much Planned Parenthood is still relying on their old model. Um, a lot of women also the, the mail order abortion is a lot of posturing from pro-abortion advocates or corporate America. Hmm. Um, most women don't want to have the Amazon guy bring them an abortion and do it in their house. It's it just what. We're, we probably will get there, but we're 10 years away, in my opinion. It's just not happening on the scale that we would believe because we would think, you know, I've got to like go in and get my oil changed. But now the guy can just come to my house and get my oil changed. I'll never do that again. It's not an overnight uh, flip. It is. I it see. is. They, they still want to go in. Um, also, you know, we have 23 states that are essentially abortion free and this is highly regulated. You just can't ship just like you couldn't ship heroin into a state. Um, a lot of states are starting to outlaw. Texas has done it. Whether you receive the abortion or whether you send the abortion from your state, it's illegal. Hmm. So your so the strategy has not shifted. I mean, it's not shifted. It's it's aware of the pro- of the of the change. But you're also um, the Planned Parenthoods are not slowing down on the transgender stuff too, and that's in Correct. person. That that that's that that's an in person thing. Yeah, that that's an in person thing. And the reason we're interested in that is because that's their business, and so goes Planned Parenthood in America. So goes the abortion industry. And we have shifted geographically, but after Roe was overturned. We lost cities for the best reason, which is their abortion facility closed. But to my surprise, we still gained U.S. cities because huh. so many people kind of got off the fence and, and realized this is this is the issue we're winning on is, is abortion. And, and as far as the culture war, uh, we're getting it handed to us and everything else. But it's it's a winner. And I think a lot of people said, you know what? I've always said I was going to participate in 40 days for life or lead a campaign. And they got off the fence. So we actually grew post row. Uh, Sean, I just have less than a minute left. I want to ask you to clarify one thing in there. You said Planned Parenthood's business model, and you said it's tied to the transgender. Is that, is that a moneymaker for them? Or were you talking about abortion as their moneymaker? Abortion is still their moneymaker. That's what I thought. It's yeah. about 70 grand to transition. Most people don't do the full meal deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just think they have too much competition in that area and they essentially have no competition when it comes to abortion. Okay. Got it. All right. Sean Carney. Hey, Sean, remind me of the website. I'm looking at my notes. I don't have it down here. Your website for folks is a 40 days for life.org. Yeah. 40 days for life.com. If you get the number 40, 40 days for life.com, we got a podcast, we got a free magazine. We got all yeah. sorts of stuff for folks. Yeah. Great. Great. And good. You do good work. Thank you, Sean. Thanks for coming on and thanks for being out there. And we'll have you back again. I want to talk about that legal uh, Institute. We'll maybe do another segment on that. So uh, Sean Carney, everybody, thank you. Uh, we will uh, take a break and we will be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the pro America report back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly report. A daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Until now, American voters have been allowed to select our next president without interference by federal prosecutors. In a free election, the people can decide which issues are significant, such as entanglement in foreign wars, and which issues are petty, such as the location of some old papers from a previous administration. But the federal workers who are pursuing political prosecutions of Donald Trump and his supporters are as hostile to democracy as they are clueless about the loyalty of Trump voters. 
Special Prosecutor Jack Smith, who disgracefully prosecuted Republican Governor Bob McDonnell until Smith was reversed by the U.S. Supreme Court, now demands that Donald Trump face a speedy trial so that Smith's office, rather than the voters, can decide the re-election of Trump. Jack Smith's unprecedented indictment was randomly assigned to Judge Aileen Cannon, who had previously smacked down the feds after their excessive raid of Trump's home at Mar-a-Lago last August. In that case, she told the federal Trump haters to back off, and she properly appointed a respected former judge to review the documents that were seized in that raid. On appeal to a higher court, Judge Britt Grant, whose husband worked for nearly a decade for the deep state at the CIA, showed improper rudeness to Trump's attorney. Also on the panel was Judge Bill Pryor, who is often a rubber stamp for prosecutors. That panel reversed Judge Cannon's fair ruling. Yet now the liberal media, led by the New York Times, complain about the random assignment of the Trump indictment to Judge Cannon, despite her lack of any conflict of interest. What liberals dislike is their independence from politics, which is what a good judge should display as well as have. The left will ignore the political nature of the charges because they want to destroy Trump at any cost. And the primary opponents of Trump will use the political nature of the charges to claim that Trump is somehow unelectable because he's now damaged goods. Yet Trump supporters know better than anyone that basing voting decisions on electability is the quickest path to defeat. Americans crave a choice, not an echo of the disgraceful deep state cronies. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. In 2016, the conservative movement lost one of our strongest leaders, but Mrs. Schlafly's work and her voice continue through this radio program, our work in Washington, and the influence you have in your own community. Be part of that legacy at phyllisschlafly.com. We encourage you to bookmark phyllisschlafly.com. And join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, we've got to cover something that's happening over in Ohio because it will have an impact on uh, the country. Uh, On Tuesday, uh, August 8th, uh, they will vote in Ohio uh, and there will be a vote on the ballot for the people to vote on to uh, change the threshold for ballot initiatives. So you've across the country and, and uh, California's had a lot of them. And uh, there are lots of places now that have the uh, referendum, which is when the legislature passes something and put it on the ballot or the ballot initiative, which is when signatures will get it on the ballot. Now, this movement is about 115 years old, 120 years old, started in the early part of the 1900s. And it was this notion that instead of a republic, instead of democracy by republic, you'd have direct democracy where individuals would vote. It sounds glorious. Oh, yeah. Every individual like it's like we're in Greece and you could gather and be like, oh, look at that. We're all going to you know, be out there and we're going to have deep thoughts and vote. The problem is 120 years later now, big money has figured out how to use ballot initiatives and sometimes referendum to hide the ball, just like they'll lie about candidates and they'll say, oh, you know, Joe Biden is going to be tough on crime. They said that in 2020. Well, he'd been really weak on crime. He'd been one of the guys that was a Democrat through and through, although he had passed some draconian drug laws back in the day. But my point is, when you have lots of money, you can, frankly, confuse the voters with your messaging. 
And so, it, you know, a lot of times if you're going to vote for somebody, it's going to be the popularity. You're not even going to know who they are, their record. It's going to be like, oh, do I like them? And they feel like it feels like Obama was that for a lot of people. But be that as it may, what we've seen develop is a system where stuff gets on the ballot and then big money that has an interest gets involved to put, push it through. The, the most recent example of this is in many states, the marijuana, the cannabis lobby, where there's a lot of money to be made. There's a lot of money in the cannabis business, in the making it a legal business, similarly with casinos. In the last 40 or 50 years, a lot of the casino expansion that no uh, uh, conservative, no Republican, not, not even a moderate Democrat would vote to expand casinos, but they let it get on the ballot. And then they let the people vote for it and they vote for it because the casinos and the interests that surround them would spend lots and lots of money to make that happen. Well, in Ohio, they have decided to move up from 50 percent plus one. You know, you pass something. If you get 50 percent plus one, it passes. Move it up to 60 percent. So make it harder to to pass a law through this popular vote. This makes a lot of sense to me. In fact, I would go further myself. I'd probably say it needs to pass by two thirds. It feels like if two thirds of the people can be fooled by big money or embrace something that they believe in, that's a better indication than 50% plus one. And that's what they're doing in Ohio this week. And uh, here's a, a part of this puzzle is that in states that want to have uh, uh, abortion rights limited, you're finding that some of those states are seeing big money coming in to either try to protect abortion rights or to change the laws or to get rid of the laws or to confuse the voters. In Kansas, they tried to put into the Constitution right to life, and the voters got confused by tens of millions of dollars of ads on the other side. It, it wasn't a good initiative. It wasn't written well. It was really confusing. But this is happening in lots of states. And as a political tool, a get-out-the-vote tool, these things are really effective which I hope left and right think, yeah, I don't want to make the other guys more effective at deceiving us. The, the, the example that is often thrown up is uh, uh, that Karl Rove, while they were in the White House, the Bush people in 03, decided that in 04 to get out the vote amongst conservatives, they could put on the ballot in 20 plus states, I think, a definition of marriage initiative. And they knew it would pull out the voters, lots of conservatives, it would be good. And so they did that. Well, you're seeing that the left is doing that on lots of different topics. And my point here is I, I, it's probably the genies out of the bottle that you can never go back to saying absolutely none of this because I don't like any of it. But if you're going to have some of it, raise the threshold so that people can't just simply willy nilly pass a law but, and, and be and, and it's too easy to confuse them. Again, 60 percent in Ohio is what they move up to. Uh, I, I would prefer to go up to 60 uh, to two thirds. 66.6% or even 70%, maybe 75% be better. Three quarters of the people that are voting have to go for something for it to make sense. That, that's probably the better one. But the point is, let's not let it be uh, too easy because you're going to get big money basically legislating for themselves. They'd rather spend $10 million and win on the ballot and get the law they want than have to go to the legislature and convince people and actually have public votes and have to, you know, support or not support things. And, and, and I can tell you a lot of the, um, a lot of the politicians will take that dodge. They, they don't want to, they don't want to have to vote on things that are popular with 40 or 50% of the people, especially when it's energetically popular. A lot of the cannabis lobby is all these young people and all the politicians are like, Oh, wow. It'd be great if these young people would, you know, think that I'm open-minded and I, I'm going to be on their side. 
And so, but, but they don't want to, most of them don't want to take that vote because they get run out of office. But lots of people don't want cannabis legal, legal, legalized. So lots of nuances to the policy issue. You lose all of that when it's a ballot initiative. So I'm, I'm for more actions like what's happening in Ohio to, to limit the ability of the so-called dark money. I mean, sometimes I sound like a lefty because the lefties don't like dark money either. They say, oh, the Coke money. I say, look, the Coke money and the Soros money, dark money that's hidden is not good. More transparency, more votes by people who have to defend their votes as opposed to, you know, shadow groups that spend tens of millions to convince you. That's that we should want that. So there you have it. All right. So watch Ohio. We'll get a report on that uh, later on the week. All right. Thank you to Noah Dingley, our great producer. Thank you also to Ryan Height and Mason Mohan out in St. Louis, who associate produced the program. And we will be back tomorrow. Don't forget, excuse me. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com and sign up for the daily email there. You will never regret it. And you'll always be more informed than your neighbors who don't receive the daily wink. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin on the ProAmerica Report. Talk to you later. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.